Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannato and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad he is with us today. Mark is in the midst of travel nightmares. He's trying to get back in studio today. That did not occur. He's going to try to get to Dallas tomorrow so that he can cover the AAC championship, or I should say the AAC tournament as the Tigers will return to action tomorrow night, taking on the winner of, well, first, UCF will have to, UCF and SMU about to tip off here momentarily. So they will see the winner of that, then perhaps either Tulane or Wichita State. But Mark hopefully will be back with us tomorrow. But again, if you're the praying type, send something up for the big guy. He's, he's having... He's got two small children. It's it's a disaster out there. Lots of fires for him. It's been quite the day, and he's just trying to make it through. So if, uh, if you're that sort of type, go ahead and uh, say one up for Mark because it's quite, quite stressful. It's Thursday, so that means we will have Tasty Take Thursday. We'll, of course, focus primarily on the Grizzlies. We'll call it somewhat of a, a state of the franchise, if you will, with the Grizzlies. Uh, I've made... Several notes and several talking points that I want to get to. Eric Hasseltine is going to join us here in about 30 minutes or so. The Grizzlies will take on the Warriors tonight. TNT only for the broadcast, but pregame will start at 6 p.m. here. So Gabe's show will run from 4 to 6. We'll have pregame at 6. Eric will have tip-off at 6.30. Again, if you want to watch on TV, you can watch on TNT. Tonight might be one of those nights where uh, maybe you sync up and you don't want to hear the TNT broadcast. Maybe uh, sync up Eric. You sync up with 92.9. You can use the Odyssey app as well and get the audio from Eric as you watch the game. He'll join us here in about 30 minutes or so. We'll get his thoughts on everything that has been happening with the Grizzlies. 3 o'clock, we'll get into the list. It's been a wild early part of college basketball. We'll get into that. Also, it's been brought to my attention, Shotgun Willies. The strip club that Ja was filming himself at, it has a location that we need to discuss, so we will get into that 
as well. 3.30, Jason Smith's going to join the program. We'll get his thoughts on everything that's happening with the Grizzlies. We'll get his thoughts on the AAC tournament and more when he joins us at 3.30. We'll tell your story, and then we will get out of here. So it is again Thursday, so it's Tasty Take Thursday. But let's start first with some news that we got right as we went to air this morning on the Jeff Calkins show. The Grizzlies released a medical update, and it read as followed. As follows. Following a recent reevaluation, Memphis Grizzlies center Stephen Adams underwent a stem cell injection yesterday as he continues his recovery from a PCL strain in his right knee. Adams will be reevaluated in approximately four weeks. So this news came on the heels of obviously what has been a dramatic week for the Grizzlies with all of the John Morant commentary, the video, whatnot, a couple more fourth quarter disappointments. And so immediately you start the day, you're not exactly super pumped for the Grizzlies. You also, of course, had Draymond Green's comments on his own podcast about Dylan Brooks. We'll get into that in just a moment. But it just felt like a massive gut punch to start the day. I think Mark and I had been discussing whether or not Steven Adams' absence from the lineup was starting to get concerning. And I don't think it really got... I think it got seriously concerning once the Grizzlies had their road trip. Taylor Jenkins had mentioned, not that he would return during the second half of the road trip, but that he was hopeful that he would return during the second half of his road trip. Also, as Mark had mentioned... Following the Lakers game, Taylor Jenkins had mentioned hopeful about the returns of John Morant and Steven Adams. So you wake up this morning and you get the news that Steven Adams underwent stem cell treatment for his knee and he'll be reevaluated in four weeks. Important note, not that it will return in four weeks, but that he will be reevaluated in four weeks. So... Once the Grizzlies got through the road trip and Steven Adams was still listed as out, not even upgraded to doubtful, I think mine started to wander. And the Grizzlies are notoriously close with injury information. That's their choice. In the absence of being, in the absence of giving information like they do, it allows for speculation. And I think the obvious speculation became when you weren't seeing Steven return to the lineup, the first concern was setback. And again, it's not been confirmed that Steven experienced a setback, but it's widely accepted that in the course of his rehab, he went through a setback. So now it leaves the Grizzlies with an interesting question. Not only are you in this position where you've kind of been looking forward to the return of Steven Adams to give you a lift. And right now this feels like a team that could use a lift. Well, now that's been taken away from you. But I think the larger concern is, well, what type of setback is this? When you hear stem cell treatment, it leads your mind to wander to the conclusion that, well, the original plan of rehab 
is not working. And stem cell treatment might be the next step before surgery. So it it comes as a gut punch now because the Grizzlies have to consider could they have lo- could they lose Stephen Adams for the rest of the season? And I think that is very much on the table. I don't know if it's likely or unlikely, but it's certainly an option on the table right now. So that then leads you to the next question, the obvious question. Well, what can they do about it? Obviously, the injury is the injury. Either he heals and can play or he cannot. The Grizzlies now will be dealing with not only the loss of Brandon Clark, but potentially the loss of Steven Adams for the season. Is it trending that way? I don't know. The first question I'm sure everyone has is, can they add someone? Well, the simple answer is they can add someone, but they would have to either A, release somebody off the active 15-man roster, or they would have to essentially apply for a hardship waiver. And from what I can tell from brief conversations, that does not seem like a likely option. So now you're left with a situation where the Grizzlies are what they've got right now. And yes, they are shorthanded, but it does not seem likely that the Grizzlies will add to the roster. I understand that maybe some people out there would think, well, couldn't you at least use some uh, another warm body? I think you have to look at it from this perspective. Anyone that you're going to be signing is either going to be out of work, off the, a G League roster. I don't think there's a simple answer. It's not as if you can just go out and make an addition that's going to somehow make an impact. You would largely probably be adding someone essentially for the sake of adding someone. If they were to take another injury in the front court, I would imagine that might perhaps change their decision-making process. But at this point in time, it's not as if there is this break glass in case of emergency great answer. You're in a situation in which there is no good answer, and I'm not so sure that just trying to offer some, you know, just trying to pick up somebody off of the street is the most prudent decision, and therefore I think it is unlikely. There's no doubt that the injuries have been deflating this year. I would also point out, though, the Grizzlies are not the only team going through it. You have Kevin Durant slipping in warm-ups. Now, while some believe that the Suns are being cautious, there are reports out there that Kevin Durant could be out for at least the rest of the regular season. And as they try to ramp up and make their move in the West, it appears that they're going to be doing it without Kevin Durant at least for a little bit, if not an extended period of time. Luka Doncic is now banged up for the Mavericks. And I'm citing these two examples for a reason because these are two of the teams that the Grizzlies, if the Grizzlies were to stumble immensely down the stretch, these are two of the teams that they would be doing battle with. So while the the Grizzlies injuries are certainly unfortunate and have certainly had an impact, 
whether or not Steven Adams would be this cure for the the Grizzlies' ailments, I don't know. Mark and I have talked about that a lot on the program. I tend to believe that he would help. I don't know if it solves everything. I think a big part of the Grizzlies' struggles, particularly in fourth quarters, beyond just getting into the half court and not having success on the offensive end, I think there's been a lot of games that have been tight games in which the Grizzlies have allowed multiple possessions for the other team. I think Steven Adams would limit a lot of that. But I do think we can all acknowledge if the Grizzlies were to have Steven Adams, it's not as if they would be undefeated in all of these tight games. Steven Adams played for a lot of the games in which the Grizzlies struggled in the fourth quarter. So while it's clearly a gut punch and it feels like it it took away maybe one of the things that was hiding behind door number two that perhaps could lead you to feeling optimistic, you know, well, Steven's going to come back. And when Steven comes back, you know, perhaps we'll see the Grizzlies look better. It takes away that option at least for a month. I think it's entirely possible. It could be for the, regu- the rest of the regular season. Perhaps maybe the Grizzlies try to bring him back. If he's healthy during those final stretches, you know, the, the final you know week and a half or so of the season. But if you look at the calendar, the playoffs will begin on April 15th. The play-in begins on April 11th. Four weeks from now is essentially the first week in April. It's not really a ton of time. We also saw last year with the Grizzlies, when John Morant was banged up towards the end of the year, they were more focused on having him healthy for the playoffs. I would imagine the same mindset is going to apply for Steven Adams. While the injuries have clearly been tough on the Grizzlies, I do think it's also important to note the Grizzlies are not in the position that they find themselves in simply because of injuries. I think there's several reasons. First, let's start with maybe the obvious and something that has clearly been criticized certainly much more recently than it was when the Grizzlies were in the midst of an 11-game winning streak. A lot of the Grizzlies' issues right now are self-inflicted. There's no question regardless of how you feel about why John Morant did what he did in the video, whether or not you have some wide-scaping, you know, wide-sweeping take on it, the reality is that was a self-inflicted situation. It was incredibly stupid, and John Morant went live himself. The fine in the West comments, no matter how much Everyone who loves their Grizzlies, like you do have to be honest with yourself. It wasn't as if the criticism of the comments was unwarranted. Malika Andrews, during the interview with Ja Morant, gave multiple opportunities for Ja to essentially cover himself. He kind of doubled down and he gave a soundbite. Again, I do think it's important to note, and we noted it in real time, and 
I do think it's been lost in the conversation. I would like to know, would those comments have been different if instead of prior to playing Denver for the first time on December 23rd, if Ja would had some a different message, a different tone, if it would have followed, if the comments would have been after the Grizzlies got popped by the Nuggets. Dylan Brooks in the ESPN article that came out last week. While it is well documented that I am a Draymond hater, and I found myself agreeing with a lot of what Dylan Brooks said, at that point in time, it begs the question, why even need to say that? One of the things that particularly people that cover the team do appreciate about Dylan is Dylan will say anything. I do think the question, though, is was that an appropriate time to just go off? The Grizzlies have largely written checks with their mouths that their bodies have not been able to cash. It's been a self-inflicted problem, and I think it's totally appropriate to be honest about that. Does that mean that you don't support your team, you don't love them, you don't want to see them win? No, but I think we can all acknowledge deep down everyone's like, man, I wish they wouldn't have said that. And typically if that's your gut reaction, it probably tells you all you need to know. Furthermore, the Grizzlies have been really bad on the road. While this is not a problem that is solely unique to the Grizzlies, there has been a clear difference between this team at home and this team on the road. And while it may not cover every single example, for instance, when the Grizzlies went and lost at Oklahoma City, do I think it was the Grizzlies partying in Oklahoma City that caused one of the most frustrating losses, particularly early in the season? No. But as you have seen now, Danny Green even acknowledged it, John Morant likes to go party. And I don't think it's any coincidence that when the Grizzlies go out on the road, they have very frustrating and poor performances. Does that mean that's the sole reason they're bad on the road? Well, no. We've also seen this year it's been difficult for teams to win on the road. Ask the Golden State Warriors. Part of the reason why they are just treading water in that hodgepodge mess basically of 6 through 10 or 11 even is they have been really bad on the road. Just this week, the Warriors lost at Oklahoma City, and not in a particularly close game. With that said, a lot of this falls on the players themselves. And when you hear the story about Steven Adams even making a speech to the team, the fact that he felt it necessary to give a speech to the team, to start being more professional on the road, that tells you that there was something that needed to be addressed. 
I think another key issue for the Grizzlies right now, they did not get better before the season started. They lose two key contributors in trading away D'Anthony Melton and allowing Kyle Anderson to walk. I am not a wizard with the spreadsheet. And perhaps with Kyle Anderson, it was a situation that there wasn't a contract that would keep Kyle here. And maybe that is indeed the case. I think the the opportunity for criticism that I think is fair criticism is we understand that players come and go. The bigger question is, what do you replace them with? And the Grizzlies largely tried to replace while DeAnthony Melton had his playoff struggles. He was consistent for them in the regular season. While Kyle Anderson wasn't a particularly effective shooter, with the exception of two years ago, he clearly was someone that could create offense, and he was someone that was a a key part to your team. You understand that players will leave, and that sometimes you have to make trades. It's part of roster management. The question is, what did you replace them with? Well, the the Grizzlies have largely tried to replace that production with John Conchar, who's been ineffective this year. And then essentially, a cast of rookies. Well, the rookies have been inconsistent. You could probably make the case the rookies have been inconsistent at best, and at times, largely ineffective. I think the other thing to remember right now is particularly when you're having to watch Draymond Green go off on Dylan Brooks. And I also recognize that for some people out there, if you're like me, it's, well, this is a war that nobody asked for. Yet at the same time, Dylan said what he said. Draymond has the right to respond. I also understand that there are a lot of Grizzlies fans out there that found themselves in the awkward position of yelling, go Draymond, go. While there's no question that Dylan Brooks is a wildly frustrating player at times, particularly on offense, it's not his fault that the Grizzlies are having to play him. In the end, Dylan's the best answer they got. He at least brings something to the table. He's an extremely effective defender. And particularly when you don't have John Moran on the floor and they've been as shorthanded as they are, I really haven't had a problem with Dylan's shot selection. Many of them have been wide open looks. He hasn't made them, but it's not necessarily a shot selection problem. I think the bigger problem with Dylan right now is deep down, Dylan symbolizes a frustration that fans are feeling with the team itself in that Dylan represents deep down what we know, which is the team's not good enough right now. I do think it's also important to note, while it might be easy as fans to get defensive, now's not really the time to get defensive. The reality is we made our bed, now we have to live with it. 
And obviously as fans, I don't really think the Grizzlies fans did as much of the talking. The team did it for them. With that said, when you talk like the Grizzlies want to talk, you got to back it up. The Grizzlies, since the calendar has turned 23, have largely not backed it up. It comes with a territory. We're just going to have to eat it a little bit. I think now is now not the time to be defensive. From a bigger picture, though, I think we have reached the point in which it's fair to say this. This will be the most important offseason of Zach Kleiman's career with the Grizzlies. While injuries have clearly played a part in this team's struggles, I think the fundamental flaw with the team is the roster's not good enough. I also think Zach Kleiman is aware of this. There's a reason why he made the offer to get Mikel Bridges. Why he also made the offer to get OG Ananobi. The fact remains, though, it is very clear that this team has to get better. And you might have to reimagine what you think of the roster. I think at this point in time, here's what you know. You know Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. are your pillars. And now you have to find ways to build around them. Perhaps maybe Steven Adams is included in that, given the fact that he has a team-friendly contract and he has been a largely productive player for the Grizzlies. With that said, if Steven Adams is what prevents you from improving the roster, I'm not sure that's a decision that you can make. So then the question becomes, how do you get better? Is it trades? Is it signings? Is it internal growth? I find it unlikely when you look at the crop of free agents that a free agent signing could turn it around. Therefore, I think the most likely path to improve the roster is through trades. I think it's nice to believe that internal growth can help. But sometimes I wonder if that's foolish. You know, maybe Zaire does, maybe this is just a lost year. Maybe the injury at the beginning of the year put him behind the eight ball and it's just a lost year. He lost confidence, whatnot. And perhaps given a full summer, full training camp, whatnot, he comes in. But I don't know if it's wise to expect that. I think the other important thing to note right now with the Grizzlies, John Morant has to decide what he wants to be. And we can talk all we want about needing veterans in the locker room, needing new voices. Uh, I'm not saying that leadership and new voices are unimportant. What I will say, though, is no matter who you bring in, John Morant is still the guy. It's not Jaron and it's not Desmond, who are clearly 
significant parts of this roster. But at the same time, those aren't the guys that are going to be the engine of the franchise. So that's going to be John Morant. And John Morant has to decide at this point, what does he want to be? Does he want to just be another great player that enjoys the fruits of being an NBA guy? We've seen it before. Or does he want to be one of the best players in the league? And if he wants to be one of the best players in the league, I think it's time that he starts acting like it. I think the other thing that was important is we've seen this year the Grizzlies are still going to have to learn how to be the hunted. So much of the conversation even coming out from the team. We had Taylor Jenkins on the show before the season. And one of his concerns of the year is how would the Grizzlies respond when they had the target on their back? At times, the Grizzlies did that well. But when you look at the totality of the season, I don't think they handled that challenge thus far. I also think it's important to note, if navigated properly, this can be a valuable lesson for the Grizzlies. The fact remains, even if you know there are flaws that need to be addressed, when you're winning, you largely ignore them. In the end, it's a scoreboard business. If you're winning, you can overlook the flaws. But perhaps the Grizzlies needed to have this moment where they get scared straight. I think it's very obvious to me that the Grizzlies needed to be humbled this season. If they're not humbled now, you have to ask the question, when? I think that this is a necessary step in the progression of a team. It had been really easy up until this point, primarily because there were no expectations. Everything was fun and It's new, and it's exciting. Inevitably, with expectations comes unmet expectations. Only one team's going to win the championship. The season is far from over, but I do think it is important for the Grizzlies to kind of get scared straight. And I think that this is definitely one of those moments that you could look back when you tell the story of, you know, 15 years from now, when this iteration of the Grizzlies is done, I think you could look back on this moment as being a turning point. And then finally, not all is lost. The Grizzlies are still tied for second in the West. And when you consider their size of their lead, particularly when it starts to get to six down and really kind of five down. The Grizzlies have a five-game lead with 18 to play. 
They have 10 home games, and they still have the third easiest remaining strength of schedule. The Grizzlies are still likely, when you play it out, to, at the minimum, host a playoff series. And then, especially given the challenges that the season has presented, if you could win a playoff series, I think at that point, you could view the season in its totality, while maybe it wasn't the ceiling that everyone had hoped for, you can leave the season feeling better about yourself. And if the Grizzlies start to show progression and improvement, different attitudes and whatnot, you can view it as a springboard into next season. Hey, they needed to be humbled a little bit. Let's see them get them next year. I also think it's important to note, maybe given everything that has indeed happened, maybe it's nice to kind of have the decreased expectations. I don't think it's a complete, utter PR move by John Morant when he says he's got to learn how to deal with stress and the expectations better. I think that this team might find themselves in a little bit different state if expectations can decrease a little bit. And I think that's possibly where we are. I want to close, though. We largely had built this show on being the most Grizzlies positive show. Let's be real. It hasn't been a positive week, and today did not also feel like a positive day. So I turned to the Prince of Positivity, former producer of the program, Connor Dunning. I asked for a statement from the Prince of Positivity so that we could all feel better, and now I read from from Connor Dunning. Let me tell Grizz Nation something they already know. The NBA ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how much grit and grind you have. It will podcast about you and beat you to your knees in a Mr. Rogers sweater and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, Bane's giant arms, Aquamane, and nobody (laughs) or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's about how many suspensions, injuries, stat controversies, possible crimes, and partying you can do, (laughs) and partying you can do, that you can take and keep moving forward. The night is darkest before the dawn, and I promise you the the dawn is coming. The 9th of March will no longer be known as the Ides of March. It's technically the 15th, but he's on a roll. But as the day Grizz Nation and the team and organization declared in one voice, We will not go quietly into the night. We will not show off guns on Instagram and drink Casamigos until sunrise. We will be goldfish and leave the past in the past. We will not vanish without a fight. Believe, believe, believe. Thus are the words of the Prince of Positivity, Connor Dunning. 
The Grizzlies take on the Warriors tonight. Eric will be on the call. He joins us next right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. ESPN. The Golden State Warriors tonight, 6 p.m. for pregame. Eric will have tip-off at 6.30. You can see the game on TNT. No bally's tonight. Eric, I've told everyone just to... Maybe shut off some national commentary. I told everybody to sync up their TVs and either turn on their their radio to 92.9 or get the Odyssey app and listen to you. Isn't there like an app for that now I've been hearing on TV yeah, or radio or something? I've been so. Yeah, it's it's like sync up or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. I know my father was, uh, when he was alive, when all these gizmos and gadgets first came out, we had uh, audio league pass and it was on the computer. Yeah. So he would pause the direct TV feed and link up the computer. And I mean, the man went to MIT to get his, finish his undergrad and get his doctorate in nuclear engineering. So as you can see, a, the apple fell very far from that tree and B, uh, he was very smart. So, um, so hopefully it's uh, something that's easier now because he said even he said it was kind of tough and I've heard that before but I appreciate that and yeah the national rhetoric the rhetoric in San Francisco take your pick everybody's kind of coming out of the woodwork to pile on and those things will happen um, it's unfortunate but you know look you gotta you got 18 games left to play and you got to make sure that you're uh, that you're focused on the task at hand tonight because these guys are really good and. Uh, even though they're not very good on the road, they're now favored tonight and not good news about Steven Adams and certainly hasn't been good news about uh, the other stuff off the court as well. And it doesn't help that you got a little war of words between two really good defensive players and, and that's kind of taking center spotlight too. I kind of want to ask you about that. 
you're the one that has always pointed out to me, man, the season's a grind. Like, there's ebbs and flows, there's highs and lows. Does this not feel like, though, at least, maybe not for the season, but at least in terms of the Ja Morant version of the Grizzlies, this feels like kind of an important moment in time where they kind of got to decide where they want to be, what they want to be. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, uh, you know, the one thing that, that has been remarkable during this stretch for this team has been the very minute amount of real adversity. I mean, yes, they missed Ja during the, we thought there was that non-contact injury a couple of years ago yeah. against the Atlanta Hawks and we, all went, uh-oh, that's not good. Uh, came back earlier and than people expected. They played really well without him. They kind of shut him down last year to make sure he was right. And, you know, all we heard in the press conferences when the Grizzlies went to Golden State when Ja wasn't playing is the record. They, were just, they would just yell the record out without him. Ja would yell at everybody. And, and you know, look, they're brash. They're young. They're brash. Um, it's gone from kind of this, exuberance of propping each other up to a little bit more on the trash talk side. I mean, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Basketball is an emotional game. You see guys talk trash every night. Um, But the problem becomes when the trash talk takes more of the center stage than the actions on the court. And, you know, people have said, hey, you can talk when you win something. I've, I've heard that rhetoric for 22 years. They said that to Golden State. When Golden State was fighting their way up and you know, they wanted they wanted respect, and they hadn't won a championship yet, and they're out there, and you got, you know, Curry's doing the shimmy and the shake, and people are like, hey, shimmy and shake when you win something. Well, then they won something. Now, people that are fans of their team are when teams like the Grizzlies that are up and coming and want to kind of grab a piece of that brass ring, so to speak, they, they tell them, oh, you, you can talk when you win something. This is a rhetoric that will continue until – long after we're gone. So, yes, this is a test of who are you going to be. Because without Steven Adams, they've really struggled on both ends of the floor. They've struggled without his pick-and-roll defense. They've struggled without his rebounding presence. They've struggled without his uh, his mammoth-sized screens to free guys up. It gives everybody a lot of freedom in different ways on both ends of the floor, whether it's Jaron, Tyus, Jaw when he's playing, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. Everybody gets a, a little benefit from Steven Adams being out there. And now that's not going to be the case. And so you have two choices. You can sit in the corner and feel sorry for yourself. And, you know, uh, that's not the way professional athletes behave, but I'm sure people would say, well, it's understandable. You've gone through a lot in the last, you know, seven days. You lost one of your top-tier bench players to a season-ending injury and one that you really wonder how it's going to affect him moving forward completely. And then on top of that, you've had – the other incident where your superstar is no longer with the team, and then you've had now your your center, who is you you know kind of the glue factor, the the X factor, the unsung hero, whatever you want to call him, uh, who everybody thought might be getting close to return, now told no, he's not coming back, probably at all. He'll be reevaluated in four weeks, and if you do your math, four weeks from today puts you on the road with two games remaining on the schedule. So, if I were going to wager a, a guess or lobby a guess, I'd say it's highly unlikely that four weeks from today, if they reevaluate him on a Thursday in April, that last Thursday of, or the first Thursday of April, whether that's the seventh or eighth, that he's going to be available. And, you know, if that's the case, then you got to figure out, is he going to be available a week later when the postseason begins? If, if you're not in the play-in tournament, which I don't think they will be, but 
stranger things have happened. So, yeah, decide who you are. These guys, again, we've seen teams come in against the Grizzlies with out-star players available and play really good basketball. And as we've said and you and I have discussed, you didn't get the jersey on the sale rack at Walmart. You, you got it earning it in training camp and playing basketball all of your life. So it's not like these guys are a stranger to it. They've just got to get some guys to step up. Uh, and they need some of the, the guys that haven't seen a ton of time you know, in recent, when when the team got fully healthy for a moment, some of the guys that haven't seen a ton of time need to go back to, to producing the way they were before they were back into their secondary roles. Because I've kind of been thinking about this, because I think at times he's shown flashes, but doesn't this feel like if the Grizzlies are going to find a little bit of stability, particularly without Ja, doesn't Jaron really need to continue what he's, I feel like what he's built on this year? A thousand percent. He's now got to be your guy. He's got to be aggressive like he was. I thought he was. I thought he did fine in LA. I thought he. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in both games, he squared up. He was. He was aggressive going to the basket. I mean, it's a tough task when you're playing the Lakers of going at Anthony Davis. I mean, Anthony Davis began making his bones in, in at Kentucky as you know a shot blocker extraordinaire that was a good rebounder and good scorer as well. But they're you remember all the talk when he was coming out about how remarkable his timing was on the defensive end of the floor, not only moving his feet but blocking shots, and obviously he's developed into a bona fide superstar, future Hall of Fame-type player um, when he's healthy, and he's healthy. And you're, you're having to battle him on one end of the floor defensively and help Xavier Tillman, and even if you're not guarding him one-on-one, you're there to help and try to do that, but then you got to attack in there, and he's there. I thought he's been – I've seen a more aggressive Jaron all season long, the most aggressive Jaron we've seen throughout his career. So, yes, he's got to be willing to square up, attack the lane, not settle for threes, use the three as a weapon when you have it to, you know, loosen up the defense. He's been good from the foul line, not phenomenal, but good, around 80%. And his threes when he's got them in rhythm and not tried to, you know, maybe force the issue if you're – Fallen behind a little bit, they've been solid. I mean, they're 35 to 37 percent when he's taking good looks in the rhythm of the offense, and that's that's the thing is they've got to make sure they stay in that rhythm of the offense. They can't keep running out of gas. They can't keep having these fourth quarter woes, and you can't keep having four and five and six minute stretches where because the other team is making a run, guys maybe try to do it a little too much on their own. You get away from the the offensive principles, which which can lead you to getting away from the defensive principles and make a mistake here or there. And when you're making mistakes and you're already on the wrong side of the run, whether they're big mistakes or little mistakes, they're magnified because now you feel like no matter what we try, it's not working. And, you know, these guys are human too. They're young. Like I said, probably the first real taste of true adversity that they've had during this Taylor Jenkins era and during the John Morant era. And, you know, Jaron obviously went through a little bit of adversity the year before, but Desmond Bain wasn't there. Dylan Brooks was, but most of the guys were not. In terms of this group, yeah, Tyus Jones didn't have a, a remarkable run through the playoffs when he was a Minnesota Timberwolf, but since these guys have been together, they've they've found a lot of success, and now you're getting tested. So, yeah, get it, get it to your guys that you know can get you there. They need Desmond to, to step up. Uh, there's not many games where he's going to have the, the shooting woes he had in the game against the Lakers. I thought, uh, aside from a couple where he was just trying to get going, they were all good looks. And, I mean, uh, remarkably, like two or three of them left his hands, and I'm like, okay, that's the one that'll get it going. That looks great. And it rattles in and out. And I think on the broadcast, I even said, it's just one of those square peg round hole nights for him. 
you know, you just have them as a shooter sometimes. The ball just says, uh uh-uh, uh, not tonight for you. Sorry, I got to keep you humble somehow. And that's, that's going to happen. So you just hope you don't have too many of those during this next 18 game stretch. And we'll see what happens, you know, with, with whether John, when John Morant returns. Uh, and and then how you go from there. But the, the Adams loss is, is huge, and so it puts a lot of pressure on Jaron to, to keep on this upward tick, no doubt. What does it mean big picture for the front court? I mean, obviously we've already seen Xavier's minutes extremely tick up in his absence. Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's not just losing Steven Adams. It's Brandon Clark also. I mean, where do they go in the front court at this point? Well, I mean, you've seen Xavier Tillman really play well. I mean, he's got a couple of double-doubles in recent games and um, has guarded, I think, some of the toughest bigs. During the stretch, I mean, just look at really since the All-Star break, he's had Anthony Davis twice. He's had Joel Embiid. He's had Nikola Jokic. Um, The Clippers don't pose that monster big man threat, nor do the Houston Rockets. And, um, that's a little bit of a, an easier way to go, but he's faced some of the best. And when you face some of the best and you find some success, that's great. You know, they, they, they he's faced Jokic twice and Davis twice, and he still, I thought, played well. I mean, he, he, it's it's a tough task when you're not starting all year long to, to step in and just play really good basketball when you're not in a, a great groove at this point of the season, and that's the type of player he's been since he's been with the Grizzlies. A true pro has accepted the role. So his numbers, obviously, in minutes go up. Jaron's minutes have to tick up a little bit. Santi's minutes tick up. And you need someone to eat up some of those remaining minutes, whether that's David Roddy, whether that's Jake LaRavia potentially getting some more minutes, whatever it may be, you're, you're down to really three guys that have played significant minutes in those positions. Roddy's been more of a wing, but he's got that big body, and you may have to have him – you know, play a little undersized big man role for the next couple of weeks. And, and you know, look, that's part of it. But no team goes through a, a season unscathed. And, you know, we, we've we seen our fair share of injuries here in Memphis. There's no doubt about that. You, you dealt with the Desmond Bain situation. And as that happened, you were thinking, all right, finally, Jaron's ready. You can get your full complement of players. This team's playing well without Jaron. Let's see what they do with Jaron. If he's really ready, truly ready to go, like they say, this could be really special. It looked really special. And then all of a sudden, you know, one loss in L.A. and then an injury to Steven Adams, and things start spinning the wrong way. And they've, they've got to find a way to deal with it. That's, it's, you know, professional basketball. It's not for the faint of heart. And, you know, people used to joke around when – people would complain about scheduling and, and injuries and things like that. And so the NBA stands for no babies allowed. You know, you're not allowed to sit and feel sorry for yourself and whine about what, what the situation is. You gotta, you gotta lace them up and go out and play. And so those guys are, are like that. That's the, that's the mentality of this group. And it starts in the coach's office as well. And, you know, look, it's, it's certainly easy to be frustrated when you watch them go one and 11 in their last 12 road games and see a team that, I, I'll be honest with you. I had a lot of people walking up to me going, wow, you guys could really win it all this year. And I was like, yay, whoa, you know, hey, we, we're hitting the midway point of the season. There's a lot of things left. Let's let's temper this with a little, you know, caution. Yes, the optimism is there. They can be very, very good. They can be elite. And they've just got to clean a couple things up. And they knew that. And now you've, you've had a little bit of adversity on top of injuries and um the things that needed to be cleaned up haven't been quite cleaned up, and now you're tied for second. And 
it's not like they're tied for second to last. You know, I hear a lot yeah. of woe is me and a lot of fans going, oh, this this is just done. It's over. Forget about it. They're still tied for second. You know, who knows? You know, they, they play really well on the home floor. Ten of their next 18 are on the home floor. Um, they've got some winnable games in there. They've got some tough games in there. Tonight's a tough game. I mean, I know what the Warriors' road record is. I also know that in that Warriors' locker room, they are talking to a man about trying to keep this team down and trying to continue to show them that they are not ready yet. That is the, that is the mentality when you have battles with certain teams. I don't like calling them rivalries because, to me, I think of rivalries and I think college. I think Ole Miss-Mississippi State. I think, you know, Iron Bowl. I think Duke-North Carolina. Games that have been going on for – 50 60 70 years right yeah rivalries History, in yeah. the nba there's really one there's really one main rivalry in the nba and i think we all know it's lakers celtics then there's some subsidiary ones boston philly chicago and and in you know detroit when they were going through it but because there's the the nature of pro sports changes over so much it's hard to maintain rivalries i mean for a while in the nfl the biggest rivalry was tom brady peyton manning indianapolis new england if those two teams played on a Sunday and it was the afternoon game, would it be the top billing unless they had great records? No, nobody would care. It's not the it's not the rivalry. Now, you talk Chicago, Green Bay for those fans, or Dallas and Washington, Dallas and anybody in the East for that matter, because everybody loves to, to hate the Cowboys, that's different because those have been going on for years. But when the players change, if, if you know one of those two teams or both of those two teams are having bad years, the only people that care are the diehard fans. So nationally, where we talk about rivalries, I just don't, I don't buy into that. This is a great matchup right now. This is a, a fun thing to be a part of, but it's also garnering some attention, in my opinion, for some of the wrong reasons. And the advents of podcasts and social media allow guys to chirp back and forth at each other where everyone can hear, and now you have a lot more open communication where fans can get involved too. Is that good for the game? That I'll let people decide that for themselves. Some of it I think is great for it. Some of it, I think, takes away from the game itself, but, you know, whatever. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.